This is week two of a sermon series called Better Than Normal. It's a study in the life of Joseph. And to be honest with kind of what's happened the past week, I wasn't sure. Do we, do we stick with the series? Do we stick with the life of Joseph? I mean, with the just vivid pictures of black men being killed and the conversations I had with my friends that were just deeply hurting. I mean, I, 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 I went to the drawing board and said, God, what do, you, what do you want us to talk about this week? I mean, do we, do we keep on with this? And, and then what happened is I, I, I read Joseph's story again. And especially I read the story that we're gonna look at today. And, and as I read it again, first of all, I saw things I hadn't seen before. And I realized that God had planned things bigger than I had because I, I thought this sermon series better than normal was about a pandemic. And it, it still is. We're in a pandemic still. But God knew that there was more to come, that we needed more of a message. And so when I read this scripture, when I read the story of Joseph, I realized, man, this is the message for today. And it, it allowed me to have a glimmer of hope because I was starting to lose hope a little bit. Like, when I saw everything going on, I was starting to lose hope. And I, and, I, and I read this passage and it began to give me a little glimmer of hope. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with you today. And so we're going to jump into the story of Joseph again. And, 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 and I, and I got to admit, I feel a little inadequate talking about the things that we're going to talk about and the things that Joseph went through, but they mirror some of the things going on in our society today. And last week, we learned a little bit about Joseph. We learned a little bit about his life. We learned that Joseph came from a pretty dysfunctional family. Uh, Joseph's parents uh, were not that great of parents. Joseph's dad favored him, which caused dysfunction. There was a culture of deceit and revenge and jealousy in his family that led to some of the dysfunction, that led to him being sold by his brothers. And, and we found out in this that Joseph does emerge actually better than he went in, but he went through some really, really difficult things in the meantime. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to pick up that story. And last week, we, we talked about how one of the first steps in us kind of coming through crisis is grieving what we've lost, is remembering the things that we've lost. And we did say we can remember with hope, which is good. Because as I said, I was starting to lose hope. You know, when I was confronting the racism in the world, and the truth is, I have the privilege of not noticing it most of the time. But this week, I, I couldn't help but notice because it was so front and center. And, and, and I was able to talk with my friends about it. And, and I began to lose hope a little bit. And, and I realized Joseph's story is so important in that. So let's, let's jump into Joseph's story. It says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, this is actually where we left off last week when we talked about how Joseph was kind of a seemingly cocky, spoiled 17-year-old kid who got sold and then sold into slavery and then became the head of Potiphar's household. And did you hear what I said there? Joseph was sold into slavery. I mean, it makes me a little uncomfortable saying that. It shouldn't. We need to talk about it. But slavery is horrific. It wasn't Joseph's time. It wasn't America. 
It is in the places in the world where it's going on today. It is in the legacy it's left for us that we're still dealing with it here. it's, It's horrific, and that's what Joseph went through. And in fact, for us, it's essential to understand this of Joseph, to understand his story. It's actually essential for us to understand the legacy in America, to understand our story too. This passage mentions that Joseph rose to a high-level slave, but he was still a slave in a foreign country. And we're going to see the importance of this later in the story. I mean, he was the head slave in Potiphar's household. He was living in his home, but he wasn't free. I got to be honest with you, as I prepared the sermon a few weeks ago, these aspects of Joseph's story weren't as real to me. And, And so I'm thankful for the conversations I've had that have made these more real to me. But the reality of this is important for Joseph's story. Now there's a verse that's extremely important for this week. I mean, it's really the key to understanding Joseph's story. We read it. It was in Genesis 39.2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Remember that verse. We're going to come back to that. And remember it, but realize that when it says that he prospered, it may not mean what we think it means. Let's jump back into this story. In verse 6, Genesis 39, 6, says this. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said to him, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withhold nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So you get the picture of what happened here. Joseph is is a good-looking guy. We know he's actually in his 20s at this time. We know that because we know he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. And next week, we're going to see that he was 30 years old later in the story that we see next week. And so we know he's in his 20s at this time. And again, just it is unbelievably impressive the incredible character that Joseph has. I mean, incredible character. He's under pressure from Potiphar's wife, and he refuses her. Every time he refuses her. And the reason he does it, he says the reason he does it in verse 9 is because he says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I mean, he's not doing it because he knows he has a deep faith in God, and it's his faith in God that says, I will not go against what God says is right. I will not break my moral compass of following God with my life, and he doesn't do it. Now, I'm not going to read the next few verses, but I'm going to just share a little bit more what happens. What happens is Potiphar's wife gets more aggressive, and one time she actually grabs Joseph and tries to pull pull him into her room. And as he does that, Joseph wiggles free and his cloak comes off. So she is left holding his cloak. He runs out of the, he runs out of the house, runs out. And as a result of this, Potiphar's wife gets upset. And because she's upset, 
she falsely accuses Joseph of assaulting her. She tells other people in the house, and eventually she tells her husband. Let's pick the story up in verse 17. Then Potiphar's wife told her husband this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, he told his wife, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph did the right thing. He followed God. He did what you're supposed to do in life. He stuck to his morals. He did what was right. And as a result, he was thrown into prison. He was falsely accused, thrown into prison. The injustice here is infuriating. I mean, it is, I, mean I can't imagine what it was like for Joseph. And did you notice what Potiphar's wife called Joseph when she falsely accused him? Potiphar's wife called Joseph, that Hebrew slave you brought us, The reason that Potiphar called Joseph the Hebrew slave is because of her own racism. It was because she was Egyptian and she knew that the people that she lived with felt that if you were Hebrew, you were less important, you were less of a person. So she didn't say Joseph, she said that Hebrew slave. I can't imagine what it was like for Joseph. Sold into slavery. Falsely accused and then put in prison. While hearing racial slurs. That's what Joseph was going through. I mean, I know how I would react to that. I would be so angry. I would be seething. I would be so mad at Potiphar's wife. I would be mad at the racist Egyptians. I would be mad at Potiphar. How did he believe her? Why? Doesn't Potiphar know Joseph's character? You know who else I'd be mad at? I'd be mad at all the other people in Potiphar's household. He had a whole bunch of people there. They all knew Joseph. They knew his character. They knew who he was. None of them stood up for him. None of them stood up against the injustice against Joseph. None of them said, no, that couldn't be Joseph. You know Joseph. He would never do that. None of them did. And as a result, Joseph was thrown into prison. I'd probably be mad at God, too. I'd be like, God, I did everything right. I did what you told me. I followed your, your rules. I followed what you told me to do. I, I actually did the moral right thing. And look what happened. So how did Joseph react to this? It's unbelievable. Let's look. Verse 20 says this. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I read this and I'm like, what? Again? 
Again, Joseph is mistreated. Again, he is abused. He is is the, the recipient of all this injustice. And what happens? He responds with unbelievable character. I mean, he should have been upset. He should have been mad. And, and he responds like this. And how can he do that? How can he respond this way? How is he able to carry the burden of all this injustice? How can he do that? It said it. We read it twice just in these verses. Verse 21 says, the Lord was with him. Verse 23 says, the Lord was with Joseph. It's the same as that verse I told you to remember from earlier. Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. As I read this, I read this story. As I looked at Joseph, I was like, how could Joseph have a glimmer of hope given the injustice he had against him? The key for us, like Joseph, is that God is with us. God was with Joseph. God's with us. But I mentioned that that phrase, the Lord is with us, so we prospered, it, it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means. I mean, if you were to think of what it means to be prosperous, okay, guys, if you were to mean, no, what it means, what would you think it means to be prosperous? Healthy, wealthy success, a good job, you know, you want a good job that pays you well, that you don't have to do too much work. Like you don't have to do too much work, but pays you well. That would be like, that would be really, that would seem prosperous. Uh, a nice house, you know, a decent car, uh, some nice vacations. That would be nice. Uh, I, for those of us who have kids, uh, you know, being prosperous would mean we have good kids. They, they clean their rooms. They do their homework. Uh, you know, that's what it would, that's what, that's what we usually think it looks like to be prosperous. But when this verse says Joseph is prosperous, it's when he's going through tough crisis, when his life is really hard. That's when he says he's prosperous. And and, and that just blows my mind. How can Joseph be prosperous during this time? That just doesn't make any sense. Well, the reason he's prosperous is because God's with him. God's with him, and that gives him a strength. That gives him a foundation in his life. Because prosper doesn't mean our life is easy. Prosper means we have a life that has some purpose and joy to it. And by joy, I don't mean like, uh, you know, just this kind of uh, happy-go-lucky, la-la, my life is rainbows and butterflies. Like, that's not what joy means. Joy means in the deep core of your being, you know God is with you. Because you know God is with you, it gives you a foundation for your life. A foundation that takes you through the highs and lows of life that allows you to prosper, to have some semblance of hope, even when life looks like utter despair. That's was Joseph. In fact, in Scripture, you'll find that most people, after they choose to follow God, and after they choose especially to follow Jesus specifically, their life gets difficult. 
God asks them to do difficult things. And I believe that God is going to be asking us to do some hard things. I believe that God is calling us as individuals to do hard things. I believe that God is calling us as Black Rock Church to do hard things. We are committed at the church here to be a multiracial, multiethnic, multicolored church. We are committed to fighting against racism, to fighting against injustice, because we know that God loves everyone and wants everyone to prosper. So we are committed to doing that. We are committed to being a church of people from different backgrounds, with different political views. That is not easy, that's hard. We are committed to being a church that has hard conversations, that listens to each other, that understands each other. We are committed to be a church that listens, that empathizes, that cares. But that's not the easy life. That's the hard life that following Jesus calls us to. You want an easy life? Don't follow Jesus. You want a life, purpose, of meaning, of knowing God is with you so it fuels you to love people, to fight against injustice? Buckle up. Let's go, buddy. That was a really weird phrase. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) That's the life of following Jesus. That's the life. That's the life that we see in Joseph. We see in Joseph that prosper doesn't mean you have your ideal life like we just talked about. It doesn't mean you have your ideal life. Prosper means that God is with you. Some of us are wondering, and how can we have hope? When we look around and see the injustice, I mean, how can we have hope? The only answer is the answer right in the Bible that it says about Joseph. God was with him. Full stop. That's it. God is with us. That's why we can have a glimmer of hope. God is with us. That gives us the foundation in our lives to say, you know what? I'm going to face some injustice today. God is with us. You know what? I'll fight a little injustice today. God is with us. You know what? I'll fight my neighbor or friend or family member who doesn't think the same way I do and is hard to talk to. God is with us. That's it. That's the whole story. That's the story of Joseph. That's the story of Jesus. That Jesus came down to this earth even even though he knew that we as humans were going to reject him, crucify him, because God loves us so much. If you're hurting today, God's with you. And Black Rock Church cares. If you're angry today, God's with you. And we understand. If you're frustrated, God's with you. If you want to be a part of the hard work of following God, 
of loving people, of fighting injustice. That's what we're about. That's what Jesus was about. That's what Black Rock Church is about. That's what we're going to be trying to do. I don't know how to do it. I feel very inadequate to talk about it. But I'm committed to being a part of it. All of our churches, that's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what Jesus is about. A few weeks ago, I, uh, I was doing yard work in my yard. And I had headphones on because I was, I was using a chainsaw to cut down a bunch of trees. And I was playing a, a Spotify playlist, one of, my, one of my son's playlists, and a song came on. And the song came on, and as it came on, I, I was like, hey, we need to play this song. Thankfully, it was a song written by a member of Black Rock Church, a friend of mine. And so a couple weeks ago, I asked him if we could play the song after the service. And this was before the, the things got as crazy as they've gotten. I thought it would be a nice song to fit with a better than normal, talking about how we can be better and normal after a pandemic. But much like I think God had bigger ideas for this sermon series, God had bigger ideas about that song. So I asked him if he could come and just share a little bit about what that song meant to him as he wrote it and what it means for us today. Now, because of timing, we we had to record this different than I'm recording this sermon right now. So I'm going to send it over now to our conversation with Brad. Let's go to that interview now. Well, Brad, thanks so much for being here. I know this has been a really hard week for you. Seeing the images of black men being murdered is difficult. I know you've seen yourself in those. We've had conversations about this. And I really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for being willing to share not only your music, but your voice as well in talking about this. And if you don't know who Brad is, uh, he's been an attender of this church for a few years now. Uh, If you go to the contemporary services or sanctuary, you'll see him on stage here as part of our worship team. Not only that, you're a leader with the Young Adult Fusion Group. You've led small groups there. Not only that, you're a leader with the High School Fusion Group. And I know that because you lead the freshman boys, and I have a freshman boy, and so you lead my son, and I know you try to get him to turn on his Zoom camera and talk and actually talk in the meetings, and so I appreciate all that you've done here at the church, all that you're doing to try to help uh, other people but my son as well, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here and just uh, creating an atmosphere to just talk about things that are really important to God. And... And I know, again, we've had conversations, and I know you've had a lot of conversations with a bunch of people about what's, what's going on. Uh, I, I mentioned before we cut to this interview that I, I was listening to your song a few weeks ago, and that's when we reached out and said, hey, can you sing this song? I thought the song was only going to be about a pandemic and helping us during a pandemic. God had much bigger ideas. God knew that this song and you singing it and you being here was so important for us during even bigger things than just a pandemic. Uh, but when this all happened, I, I know I, I reached out to you. I, I was able to have dinner with you and your wife. And I said, Brad, you don't have to do this. Like, this is, a, this is a crazy time. But this is not the right time that we don't need to do this song this week. And you said to me that you really believed that God wanted you to be here and to do this song even during all this. Can you, can you explain why, God, why you think God wanted you to be here? Yeah. Um, you know, just, just seeing everything taking place. Um, in our world, especially just starting with 
the pandemic itself. Um, uh, that was just a moment for me where I was able to, uh, I just felt like God put the pump, God put the, the pump, mm. pump to the brakes on everything and just said, I just need you to stop mm. and see where I am. And I think just being in our world where, especially Fairfield County, everything is quick, fast. We're used to traffic. We're used to all of that. And, and especially the first day I got on the highway in the pandemic and there was no traffic, mm. I felt like that was the experience I was missing with God. Yeah. Um, just a free flowing peace. And, um, just seeing uh, what is happening in the world now, I think it gives us a better perspective, a slowed perspective to actually not only see, but to, to receive, okay, what's going on? Um, how can I take action? How can I respond to this? And, and I, I feel like it would, be, um, it would be wrong of me to not uh, take the time to see what God is doing, um, to see what God is saying uh, through me, through you, um, through our community to talk about this and not just let it uh, sweep under the rug. So that was the, the conviction that I had. And I said, you know what, Lord, um, I'm willing and available. Oh, that's great. And so we're going we're gonna to hear your song and watch you singing your song called Illuminate. And this was a song you wrote a few years ago uh, when you were going through a tough time. Can you explain a little bit about what this song is, where it came from, and what it means? Yeah. Um, funny enough, I... Uh, I wrote the song about three months before I ever came to Black Rock. Hmm. Um, and I was going through a really, a really difficult season. Um, just trying to figure out where God was, what, what, what was he saying? Um, and it's, and it's not like, uh, what was difficult was that it was, you know, in my relationship with the Lord prior to that, um, I had a, a a system, so to speak, of how I heard from God, you know, the places where I would hear from God and, and just the situation I was going through was so tough. I felt like he wasn't responding at all. Um, and so the way that I, I compared it was, uh, to like walking in a room, uh, that's pitch black and my hands are on the wall. And, and the hope is that, you know, there's going to be a light switch somewhere. Hmm. And, the reason why I wrote the song was it was it was kind of like um, how how David would speak, uh, regardless that he knew the situation he was in, that he still praised God because of who God was, regardless of what his situation tried to speak over wow. him. Um, and uh, so I remember a friend of mine uh, told me about uh, Psalm 23 yeah. and the scripture that says, uh, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil." Wow. And and what he said, he said. Uh, to create a shadow, there has to be light present. Hmm. And it was just one of those like aha moments, like in my deepest darkness, God is present all wow. the time. Wow. And so if he's present, that means he's speaking. And if I can't hear him, then I need to reposition myself. Wow. So the song just came from a place of saying, Lord, um, I, I need you to illuminate because I know that that's your desire. Yeah. And so help me in my in this time of darkness to just be still and, and to to be able to experience your presence. Wow. That, that's that's unbelievable. And and I and we've been in a time of darkness. Yeah. And so you wrote the song a few years ago. But as we were listening to it, even during this week, I was like, man, this song applies to us today. Yeah. How do you feel like it applies to us right now? Man, um, 
I think I think how it almost perfectly applies right now is is this darkness is is something that is being seen all over the news. Um, it's everywhere. Uh, I think I think uh, they said that it is the the great the, the largest scale protest wow. in history throughout the world, um, and we understand what the problem is. Yeah. Um, I think where where you know we're getting stuck and and where some of these conversations are being had all throughout the world, all through churches is is what is the solution. Mm. Um, and so me being a part of the you know millennial generation, <laughs> you know we're called the uh, the microwave generation, where we experience click and it'll be prepared in 30 seconds. Yeah. And so when we see things happen, we're like, we need this change now. Mm. And so to see an issue like racism um, and prejudice um, have such a lengthy history yeah. um, and to never be fully addressed or fully dealt with, it's, it's this, this burden like, how can we change this mm. and how can we change it quickly? Mm. Um, and I think I think why the song is so powerfully speaking right now and, and speaking to me, even though I wrote it, I believe that God wrote it through me, yeah. is that it feels like one of those moments where the darkness is so thick that yeah. there can be no hope. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, is that um, God's light is always shining. Wow. He always has an answer. He always has a response. And, and so I believe that... Um, the message, not just through this song, but I believe other songs that God is stirring in, in the hearts of people is that um, there is an answer for this and for us to believe that it will come swifter than we believe it to come. Mm. Um, it's the same way that we experience when we turn on a light bulb. Yeah. Uh, the darkness doesn't take its time. It, it just leaves yeah. because that's the power of the light. And I believe that when we have that mindset of saying, the light is stronger than darkness and mm. it cannot last here. And our minds are like that. And we think like that, that we will see the change that we're believing for. So I believe that uh, the song is for a time to stir up the hearts of people to have hope and for that hope to come together in a community um, to shine brighter through our darkness. Oh. Well, that's great. Well, without further ado, let, let's watch your song, Illuminate. Regardless of all that I feel And knowing you're closer than all of my breath 
Why are you speaking in parables? Cause I have endured through all of the tests But this one is getting unbearable, terrible I need a second opinion, I need to call me a witness Cause I'm racing towards the mark But I need help to reach the finish You say to carry my shield and my sword But I have no strength in my arms But all the strength I was on was really mine wasn't yours And I repent for that, I know you were sent for that But lately I've been feeling like you come and you go It ain't when I'm up, disappear when I'm low Can I be honest, cause when I'm in private I feel like you're silent, but listening close Damn, I can't take no more I'm broken down, I can't break no more Speak to me now, open your mouth I need a joy that will never run out If I look anywhere else Might as well save me from myself I can't do it Need you now and I'm not moving So respond to me As I sing to you If I stumble, if I fall if I ever lose it all When my back hits the wall Please keep me standing When I've cried until I'm numb Whispering your will be done When my lights go out I pray you You will move, how would I view you? Would it be unusual knowing my bills do? But you bless me on the usual, and maybe I'd use you. Praying and reading the right amount until I moved you. Is that a relationship or a manipulation ship? I'll take the risk. Either I trust my eyes or trust my maker's lips. I'll take the risk. Either I receive you or receive Satan's gifts. I'll take the risk. Either I trust in you and trust what they suggest. Lies gon' tell me God ain't moving cause I'm not his favorite. Yeah, no, that ain't it either. Right in the middle of doubt and believing. Stuck in between to be still and be screaming. You hung on the cross but wasn't complaining. I don't understand how to just fit in your plan. You tell the ocean to never Pass over the sand Everything fits in your hand So where do I move from here? Speak to me now Open your mouth I need a joy that will never run out If I look anywhere else Might as well save me from myself And I can't do it Need you now when I'm not moving So respond to me As I sing to you If I stumble If I fall If I ever lose it all back hits the wall please keep me standing when i've cried until i'm numb whispering your will be done when my lights go out i pray you Well, the song kind of says it all. I mean, you have a line in there that says, I need a joy that never runs out. And ultimately, the entire song is about how we need God 
to illuminate inside of ourselves, to raise that up. I, I've been encouraged by your optimism today. I, I really have. And so I'm just going to ask if you can pray for us as a church, for our community, for our nation, that you can pray. You already did it in your song, but if you can do it with your words right now and just close out our service by praying for us. Yeah. Father God, we need you in this hour. Lord, we need you during this time to shine brighter than any darkness um, that's thicker than we can see. Lord, we ask that you would give us your eyes that we can see with eyes of faith. Lord, to have a mind that is um, stuck in hope, Lord God. Lord, trust in your plan for the redemption of mankind, Lord. Lord, but also your plan to, um, Lord, you said to go out and to spread the kingdom, Lord. Lord, and we cannot do that well unless we allow you daily to search our hearts, God, and to expose the things that are not of you. Lord, that we would go running after all of you and not just the pieces of you that make us feel comfortable. And Lord, that we would acknowledge, Lord, that uh, there is cause and effect that happens on this earth, Lord, and, and we see it through the beginning with Adam and Eve and the byproduct of what their decisions made, Lord. And Lord, that we would uh, be able to hear your voice and hear your heart, Lord, and acknowledge uh, the actions that have taken place to lead up to what is today. Lord, would you challenge us? Would you shape us? Lord, in recognizing that you want to come alongside us to see transformation happen, Lord, and that we can't just pray and just hope that you will just snap your fingers and change it, Lord. Mm. Lord, so would you heal our hearts? Would you heal our land, Lord? Would you heal this earth? God, and may your justice shine bright, Lord. Mm. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Zabai. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for sharing your heart and your song with us. I just want to thank everybody for being here on church with us. I want to thank you so much for being here at church with BlackRock. Uh, it's been an incredible day for me. It's been a rough week, but I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot. I've listened a lot. And I encourage you guys to be doing the same, having those conversations with people you need to talk to in your area. Thank you guys so much. Thanks again, Zabai, for being here. Have a great week.